live in Maryland, born and raised here, uh, grew up in Silver Spring, but I live in Kensington now. From what I understand at the time, it was beautiful. That was that was the uh, the family motto, be the best and just do it. Gonna go inside, outside, inside, outside. Gonna get them on a run and gonna keep them on the run. Gonna go, 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 go. You're not gonna stop until you get across that goal line. This is a team they say is good. Well, you, they can't beat us. All right, welcome to another great episode of the Dre and Smiley podcast, The Inner Circle. So on today's episode, we have a pretty exciting guest. Kyle Brandt. Kyle Brandt is in a unique position where he sells software to behavioral health professionals. Kyle's been in the software industry for several years. I had the pleasure of working with Kyle for about two years, ago, two years a couple of years ago. We were working for a life sciences company, and Kyle has a breadth and depth of energy and knowledge about his space. So we want to, we're eager to understand what's going on in his world with behavioral health sciences. So Kyle, welcome to the show and, and tell us who is Kyle Brandt? What, what, what is it that you do? Well, thanks for having me. And I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> I, uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, 37. I live in Maryland, born and raised here. Uh, grew up in Silver Spring, but I live in Kensington now, um, right outside of, of D.C. So when you ask somebody where they're from, they'll typically either say they're from D.C. or they'll give you the exact location. But distance sometimes doesn't even play a factor. So they could be like from Richmond and they're going to say they're from D.C. Um, and I have uh, three, three little ones, a uh, five-year-old named Rosie a three-year-old named Hank, and a one-year-old named Patrick. And um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in the software business uh, since 2016 is when I got into it. But um, to, uh, to Smiley's uh, point, I started in software working for a behavioral health software company focused 100% on behavioral health, substance abuse, uh, developmental disabilities, organizations that served a broader population. And I was, I was and still do sell electronic health record and digital health solutions to help make that more efficient. Um, and then I uh, was with a company called Credible for three years. And uh, I guess in late or early 2019 is when I had the pleasure of working with uh, with Smiley over here um, at IQVIA, and I was there for about two years, and then I actually went back to the company Credible I was with, and had the fun and joyous experience of going through a merger, um, and uh, was was there for about a, a two years, two and a half years, and then. I joined a company called NextGen uh, in 2021. Yeah. So I, wow. I'm thinking about the time. So, so tell me this. I mean, just for our listeners, when you say you have software that helps with 
behavioral health? Is it some sort of game that they go through that they play and, and help them with their mental conditions? Or is it, are you helping the psychiatrists or the healthcare professionals or the actual people on the substance abuse? So it's more on the, uh, the provider level, um, the psychiatrists, the, the physicians, the, uh, the actual nurses and, and clinicians who are treating the, the patients and clients. Uh, we, we provide and I support a platform that essentially makes that process. So if you think about when you go to a hospital or a doctor's appointment, all the different things that come up like a, a, an appointment reminder, the ability to fill out information before your visit, um, insurance information, capture all that, but also from a psychiatric standpoint, go through and collect information that might be helpful to them. And one of the really neat things that NextGen does is provide population health and gap analysis, which essentially gives you data that you can use to determine where your organization has gaps in care. And if it's with a certain patient population or a, a, um, a demographic or a, an area that you're servicing, but maybe not to the full extent that you should or could be. And then all the way through from documenting um, in behavioral health and whole person care health, which is probably now more of a relevant term. The It's not like going in to see your physician for a, a, a cut or a bruise. Your primary care physician sees you and completes the visit and you're done. In behavioral health, it's forever. It's, it's lifelong. So you're constantly documenting, evaluating, seeing where they improved, um, areas that you can focus on. Makes sense. Makes sense. So yeah. I, I, I like, I like that Kyle, uh, something that comes to mind is you're sharing what your software does. And then, and then after I ask this question, I'm going to go back a little bit and find out how you got into this, this role, but Westmore, um, who's the new governor of Maryland. I was reading his book. Um, I think it's called the other Westmore. He was talking about his dad went to the doctor. And was essentially, to make the long story short, was misdiagnosed. And as you talk about the the features of the system you have, does it have something in place where, let's say, Smiley goes to the doctor and the physician or the PA, uh, I realize that your focus, the focus of the software is behavioral health, but it sounds like other areas of medicine also have an opportunity to touch that record that ehr record so are there systems in place where if i potentially enter a misdiagnosis into smiley's record there's a flag that comes up and says something to the effect of are you sure have you checked this have you checked that is that something that exists in your software so uh short answer is yes but it's more complicated so sure. essentially there's really no tool that's going to help reduce that from ever happening. But because NextGen is also a, an organization that has acquired a lot of different technologies to basically make it a single platform and integrated, mm -hmm. not interfaced, integrated, um, 
all those different solutions. It does alert you to a lot of different things throughout that process. The misdiagnosis challenge is something that yeah. I think everyone struggles with. Um, and we've obviously come a long way in healthcare. And I'll give you a great example, you know, for developmental disabilities, healthcare in general has increased a million percent. And I know firsthand and, and Smiley knows my my oldest, my five-year-old Rosie has Down syndrome. So the the experience that we've had compared to books that I've read and all these different things I've listened to about what used to be the case, even in, in behavioral health, we used to put these folks in psychiatric hospitals, jack them up on all sorts of meds and let them sit there and watch TV. Now the, the process is to help them figure out with, with help of clinicians and, and doctors who have years and years of experience, hopefully, um, to essentially figure out what the root cause is. Do they have a misdiagnosis? Do they have some type of chemical imbalance that's creating this behavior to come in place? Is it alcohol and drug related? Um, and start looking at ways that they can improve that person's life long term. And, you know, for for us, um, you know, just the support that you start to see from a developmental disability standpoint, all the services that are now available, um, mm. healthcare has come a long way. So I know that was probably a little bit long winded to your question, but no. the short answer is, is yes, there are a number of different types of tools built into the system to help evaluate essentially what the situation is. And the other neat part is that we also, if you think about healthcare, it really makes zero sense that you can walk into a healthcare center down the street and they won't have any of your information from previous visits if you were out of state or you moved there. But you can do that with banking information in a different country. Mm -hmm. So one thing we've really focused on is interoperability. And I know a lot of people talk about interoperability and and mm -hmm. depending on who you're talking to, the definition might be different. You can look it up online and it'll probably give you a very succinct definition. But um, I think the, the strongest piece that really attracted me to NextGen and to the healthcare technology business sector in general is we all have frustrations with our experiences. So how can I play a role mm -hmm. in making that better, but also mm -hmm. support my family with talents and skills that I know I have personally and things I like to do, like go to conferences and meet people and, and present and, and uh, sell and, and be engaged meet humans. Yeah. Do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me this, Kyle. So, so you mentioned all these skills you have, right? And it's clear you have a passion. I mean, that, that just comes through. Um, Smiley mentioned that before he got on the call, he was like, you know, dude was like a just ball of energy. He's really excited about what he does. And it comes through as you talk about um, what you do. So the, the, the big question is, how did this come about? So as a child, were you, were you thinking, oh, I'm going to grow up and sell software? Tell me, tell me your transition, your journey to doing what you're doing now. How did this come about? So it all started in Tacoma Park when I came out as a little baby. 
Lucky um, <laughs> <laughs> back, okay. Yeah. Now, you, uh, you, you have incredible memory too, by the way. And, and, and tell them you were born smiling, weren't you? That's right. You were born I, came out, I was walking and talk. I tried to sell the doctor something. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> now, I, um, you didn't try to sell the umbilical cord, did you? <laughs> it, was, it, it was. It was a pretty compelling case. I mean, it, it, from what I understand at the time, it was beautiful. But, but, uh, no, I mean, I, so I grew up, I'm, I'm the oldest of four. Um, and my dad was, my dad grew up in a family similar. Um, he was the youngest of four boys. And I think the, the thing that really helped me growing up was that my dad and all my uncles were all athletes had either played in college and two professional one was was still in the sports broadcasting business, and um, all of them really instilled in us this ability to work hard and put yourself out there. And if there was ever a challenge, just do it. That was that was the uh, the family motto: be the best and just do it. And uh, so you all think about the the. I guess the analogies or the, the uh, experiences people talk about where they are afraid to stand up in front of a room of people. And, and um, you know, my dad used to, when I was younger, I was obsessed with Notre Dame football and I had all the Notre Dame stuff and uh, didn't have the grades to get into Notre Dame. But uh, I, my dad used to make me get up and present from, from, uh, Rudy, that speech, going to go inside, outside, inside, outside, going to get him on a run and going to keep him on the run. Going to go, 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 go. You're not going to stop until you get across that goal line. It's the team they say is good. Well, they can't beat us, you know, and um, he used to make me do that in front of everybody on our, on our little uh, fireplace. And uh, at that point, I kind of realized that I wanted to be in some type of a profession where I was able to present and talk to people. Um, but I was also a college athlete and I enjoyed competitiveness, um, mostly with myself, but I, I wanted to be the best, whether I was or I wasn't, I wanted to be. And I, I learned throughout that process that there really wasn't anything limiting me except for me. So I made a ton of mistakes. Believe me, I tried all the wrong things. Um, I, I started to go down a path that several of my family members were like, what the heck is this guy doing? And, uh, and then, you know, I, I got serious at one point. I think I, I equate that back to maybe like 2013, 2014. I was the typical, you know, crazy young kid. Didn't really, I mean, I cared, but I didn't, um, you know, I knew I was good. But I think the confidence got to my head to the point where it was affecting me in my professional career and my personal career. And, uh, you know, when I met my wife, she kind of uh, she she definitely pushed me to think differently, to correct some things or at least be aware of some things that maybe I just didn't care about and um, always kind of knew, but didn't didn't really worry about it too much. Um, and then when we had our first kid, I thought to myself, I've got to be successful. 
I've always wanted to be successful, but what does that mean? So I actually defined it and I started a notebook that I would write down exactly in detail what success meant to me. And at the time it was very material. Um, you know, I wanted to own a house. I wanted to do this, but then you drill down and you're like, okay, so what does that mean? You don't just own a house one day. You don't just have some money in the bank. You don't just get a paycheck. So then you, you really drill down. All right. What do I need to be doing on a daily hour to hour basis to get there? And, um, you know, fortunately I've always been very passionate and energetic, so that helped a lot. Um, but I've also always been very interested in perception and mental strength. So usually when presented with a problem and, and Smiley probably knows this better than, than anyone, when someone tells you to do something one way, I want to understand why they think that's the best way. And really going at it because a lot of people talk about comparing yourselves to all these other folks. You know, I started kind of being hitting my, my stride later in life. There are a lot of folks who hit it way early. They, they go through school, they get out, they get a job, they start making money. And uh, when, when we got married, I mean, you go through and, and we're Catholic. So we go through pre Cana. I mean, that was a realistic, you know, shock to me be like, holy cow. Um, I didn't realize Mary Jane was going to cry when I told her that I was in debt or that, uh, that all these different things that I thought were totally fine are really going to potentially hurt me and her if this continues long-term. So a lot of different factors came into play and it's like a golf game, you know, making tweaks that, you know, will make you more efficient and, and basically be the best you. Um, but, you know, with, within the guidelines, as much as you can stay. Um, but then, then again, questioning the guidelines, you know, why, why are these set in place? Oh, okay. This person seems to be good at this. They've said to do it this way. They apparently think it's not possible. Well, now, shit, I'm focused on making it possible. I want to prove that person wrong. And sometimes there was no rhyme or reason to it. If someone told me I couldn't do something and I knew in my gut that I thought it could be, I was focused on doing that. So, you know, that went into my notebook and it became a part of my daily routine to wake up and read what I'd call an I am statement that I learned from my boss at, at, uh, at credible Matt Dorman, who started the company out of his, out of his basement. And it was basically, I am doing this. So it was in the, the present tense. I am cranking out 150 calls a day. I am the best husband and I do listen. I am listening. I am doing these things so that it would remind you, even if it wasn't true at that time, it would get you into the the mentality. Um, and a lot of those things play into kind of just general life, but also in order to be good at anything, you've got to be passionate. You've got to be focused and you've got to be committed a hundred percent. You know, it's interesting, Kyle, as you speak about that, um, I, I think about the power of your mindset and the words, right? 
um, the intent behind I am. That suggests that you have a plan to move forward. And I, I often hear people say, you know, you ask them, you know, are you going to the gym tomorrow? I hope to. I have to look at my schedule. You know, immediately my thought is no, right? Because if there's anything that you want to do, you really plan to do, your words, right, will tell the story. And it's interesting how how you understood that so so uh, at, at a key point in your life, so much so that you started creating journals and things like that. So this that was a big takeaway for me. So I just want I wanted to mention that smiley. No, and, and the one thing is I, such a wealth of information. I, I don't know where to begin, but Kyle, when you mentioned that your family were athletes, uh, I was telling Dre that you were the world-renowned lacrosse player. Can you talk about the lacrosse, how, how lacrosse prepared you for corporate America from the, the grind and being the best? And and then I want to circle back to you, to your what is success statement, because when I hear you say the I am, I immediately thought of a shirt. I am. And it's, dude, you got a, you got a t-shirt business right there. Because oh, it's right like, there. Yeah, yeah. I think, the, I think so, therefore I am. But you know what? Right, right. I am. And I just, am. That's amazing. So can you tell us about what you learned from your, your, your college days being an athlete? Yeah. So it's actually pretty untraditional. Um, so in high school, I, well, so all through grade school, I played on tons of teams and, and was good. And uh, I went to my dad's alma mater and I uh, was fortunate enough to, to go to a military private school. Um, and it taught me a lot. Um, and I also experienced a lot of different things that really pushed my mind. Um, and I guess the first example is that sophomore year in football had always been my number one sport, even though I was really focused on lacrosse too. But uh, I tore my, my uh, knee and had, had knee surgery. And, um, you know, my dad went through something similar. So I could see, and it, it kind of changed his whole trajectory as well. So, you know, he was very, very supportive. And something that my dad never does is be negative. Um, you know, and, and even in the scenarios where there really is no optimistic view, people would be like, you're delusional, man. And he'd be like, well, okay, thanks. See you later. Um, so I think that helped a lot. And then, you know, my junior year, um, there was a coaching switch up and overnight, a lot of, because my, my father was so involved in sports, um, you know, I'd already committed to Delaware to play lacrosse and, uh, the coach had it in his mind that my dad had played a role in him getting fired. So overnight I lost all my friends. I lost, you know, the, the, you know, I led the team in scoring, uh, and I didn't, I had made, you know, freshman, sophomore year, I'd made, uh, all conference honors. I didn't even make the ballot my junior year because of that scenario. And then, oh yeah, my commitment was rescinded, um, because they said they were going to go in a different direction. So everything changed overnight. And honestly, I, I went into a deep depression. And then at that point, I kind of decided, you know what? Screw everybody else. I'm doing this. 
So I focused and didn't worry, you know, it was, it was tough, but um, I went to St. John's university and I was part of the first division one program for that school in school history in, in Queens, New York. And um, I, I uh, first year, I think was a, an eye opener to me because I went from, I, I really saw how strong mental strength and, and your capability to handle resilience um, or be resilient uh, came into play. And, and there was a point in freshman year where I, I kind of lost that path. And uh, at the end of sophomore year, I ended up transferring to Salisbury University and um, my division one coach had told me that I wasn't going to play and he didn't see me being successful. And there was some fallout for a lot of different reasons there. Um, but I, I went there for a year and a half. And I think the structure going from a very structured, like we were required to be at study hall for, for six hours a week. And we had an academic advisor and we were on a tight schedule. And, um, and I went from that to a D3 program that was national championship level. They had won it the year before, or they, they had lost it the year before by like two goals or one goal in overtime. And they were longstanding champions and it was exciting. And I did well for a while until that structure system outside of lacrosse started to affect me. And I saw how easily I could get pulled in different directions because I am so passionate and energetic. And um, ultimately I had to, my parents had to pull me out of school. And then uh, I ended up going to Catholic university where uh, I had, I had taken a semester off and I'd worked at Smith Barney trying to help a family friend um, who was a, a high position there get and find new, new clients. And so that got me excited. And then he looked at me one day and he said, you need to go back to school. And I, I agreed with him, but I didn't know how. And uh, he gave me his car and some cash and I went and bought flowers and chocolate. And I went to the admissions office every day for, for a week and a half uh, to get in. Cause there were like 3000 people in front of me. And um, the lady finally said, you know what? I'm just going to let you in because you're not going to stop. And I, I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, and so I got in like two weeks into the semester. Uh, I, you know, I'd missed two weeks of classes, got the lowest rank and, you know, I was able to graduate and have that experience. Um, so it was untraditional in the fact that I went to three undergrad schools I graduated in five and a half years. And then after that, um, you know, I, I wanted to stay in lacrosse, but lacrosse played a big role. It was like my, my um, identity. And when I discovered that it wasn't really my identity, it was all the stuff that I had learned throughout uh, that was really the driving force. I think that's what kind of changed my perception, but sports was always a big piece of our family. I mean, at one point, I'd say, you know, my family wasn't so much concerned with grades. It was, you know, you're, you're in school to play sports. And, um, 
<clears throat> there's really no path after college for lacrosse at that time. Now there's, there's some professional leagues that pay, but um, you know, that was, those were some things that, that really impacted my career as both a college lacrosse player. I knew I was capable, but I knew that I was focused on a lot of wrong things. And that kind of also helped shape my strategy afterwards. I knew I could do it. And I had one coach tell me that on, you know, some days I was the top player on the team. And then the next day I'd come out, I'd be like on third strength because my focus just wasn't there. Um, I wasn't focused on the right things. And, you know, that was another lesson that I think sports taught me. Um, and, you know, then I just committed myself to using all those tools that had shaped me and basically saying, you know what, every day I'm going to beat myself. Um, and I'm going to be pumping at all cylinders. If you're not, then tell me that ahead of time because I'm going forward. So you're either on this train or you're not. Um, and that, that, I mean, that's how sports kind of showed me. You can be anybody you want, you know? That, that is so awesome. And I, I, I love the idea of the flowers for chocolate. And <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking, I, I'm like, dude, I've, we work together. I've, you've never told me that story. And I love the persistence of the flowers yeah. for chocolate for college. And, well, the worst yeah. part is that every day I'd bring new ones and the old ones would be sitting right there. And I'm like, oh. this is just going to start piling up. Just, yeah. let, me, just let me in. I, I love that story. But tell me this. You said you started writing your success journal when you, like, say, around 2013 or 14. Back then, the Internet was just getting populated with all these different success gurus and different TikToks and YouTubes. Who, who was your mentor or who did you follow in order to do the success story? Or did you go back to the Notre Dame coach when he was coaching Rudy? Or what was it was the catalyst? Was it Napoleon Hill? Was it? Uh, who Zig Ziglar, who, who was the guy that, you know, gave you that idea to just write down your journal? Uh, so it was a guy named Matt Dorman. And uh, he was, he was my boss at credible. Um, and I had been doing it loosely, but he's the one who really helped me understand the, the structure. And he was, very, very focused. I mean, he came from VC world and a lot of people would call him uh, reasonably unreasonable. And that really hit home to me. Um, so, you know, in, in the face of all odds, this is happening. I've defined it. There's no turning back. My whole life depends on it kind of mentality. I mean, I, I'm pretty extreme in general. So at one point, I'd even convince myself mentally that my entire family was going to die if I didn't succeed. And, you know, that, that, I think that goes a lot to the mental power. Um, but also the, the craziness that, that someone can really focus and be successful. What's driving them. Um, you know, I think, you know, if I'm being honest, I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of all the success stories, they don't, they, they tell the story, but they don't really tell the true story. You know, what, what was it? You know, and I think a lot of it is fear of perception from others. 
but yeah, I'm extreme. You know, I have two speeds, stop and go. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, I, I love the fact you touched on that, Kyle, in terms of um, success stories not being told in depth, right? We often hear these stories about people who, you know, went to college for four years, went to grad school for two years, came out and they were successful. I think what's much more common, and like you just said, we don't often hear about, are those that are trying to figure it out. And then once they do, they achieve success, which is, you know, you know, the, 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 the underlying story there is that there's more than one way, there's more than one path, right? Um, which is one of the main reasons why, you know, this podcast exists is to talk about, you know, the many types of success that exist out there and the, you know, wide variety of ways to achieve it. So let me ask you this. Um, what's one thing, and you've shared a lot and I appreciate it, but what's one thing that you, that most people don't know about you? Um, that's tough because I, I'm pretty out and open about everything. Um, let's see. One thing people don't know, I, I have, uh, I have a candy addiction. Um, chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> so, so at the, when you got accepted to college, you took all your chocolate back. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think, uh, I think probably one thing people don't know is that, you know, it's tough to be on all the time. And, uh, despite how it all comes across, I do get exhausted. Um, and you know, sometimes that means I'm laying on the couch or, you know, but, um, you know, I, I, I actually took it upon my, uh, well, I, I guess I'd say, uh, that I don't drink anymore. Um, I haven't made a big deal about it, but you know, I haven't, I haven't had anything to drink in a year and two, three months. Um, and that was a personal decision and a family decision. Um, because I have two speeds, you know, things can spiral. And so, uh, I don't make a big deal up about that, but yeah, I, uh, I consider myself sober now. Well, you know yeah. what? I, I want to commend you because I had my last alcohol in September of 89. September of 89. Yeah, I remember. And, and, and I haven't looked back. And, and when I meet people, they're like, you're lying. You're this. I'm like, okay, whatever. But welcome on the side, man. Congratulations, Kyle. Glad yeah. to hear that. <laughs> awesome. Well, one thing you mentioned about the fatigue of being on all the time. It was funny. I, I uh, met with a uh, friend of mine recently. And we both have done public speaking and, and uh, training development, that sort of thing in the past. And people don't realize what it takes out of you when you're engaging with people, especially in large groups, you know, and we were just kind of laughing about it because she hadn't done it in a while. And she was like, she was like, Dre, when I got home, I just laid on the couch. I could not get up. My feet hurt, my back hurt, my, you know, and so, you know, hearing you talk about that, I, I, you know, at, at the end, what people recognize is how good they feel as a result of what you've shared with them. 
And that's the goal, right? That's the goal. Yeah. Once they come up and start, hey, Kyle, man, that was great. Great content. A couple questions for you. And it's a good feeling, right? But they don't realize behind the scenes. And, and, and it's good if they don't realize it is what it takes out of you. But yeah, that, that just kind of stood out to me when you shared that. Well, awesome. Well, well Kyle, we wanna, we have something where we call the final four. And this is where I'm going to ask you two questions. Andre will ask you two questions. But think of it like this. Alive or dead, you're at a dinner table, table of four. Who would be the other representatives at the dinner table with you? Who and why? Alive or dead? Ross Perot. Just because I feel like he's such an interesting, interesting guy. Um, he was able to start things from scratch and, and get to a certain level. Um I think I'd want Martin Luther King mm -hmm. because he was such a, uh, such a spearhead in a lot of ways, but he went against a lot of odds and mm -hmm. dealt with a ton of situations that could have changed his path to go a totally different direction. Um, I would say, uh, Hmm. It's a good one. Say Albert Einstein. Feel like he would uh, he would be pretty interesting to sit down with. And um, Mark Twain. I just watched something about him recently, and he seemed to make a lot of people angry, but he he's still somebody we talk about. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. Thinking about all of your successes, professionally and personally, what's been your greatest success? Either I've, professionally or personally. What's been your greatest success? So two or just one? You choose. I'd say my family. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's literally what gets me up in the morning whether I'm feeling good about it or not. <laughs> uh, but knowing that, that, you know, I've, I've, my wife and I've have created something really cool. Um, it's not always pretty, but you know, it's, it's pretty special. Awesome. So here's uh what is your superpower? So Superman could see through lead or couldn't see through lead, but he could fly and Wonder Woman had a truth lasso. What is your superpower? He buys chocolate to the flowers like nobody else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I would say it's, uh, I'd say now it's probably a little bit of my resilience. Um, and I can take really tough situations and and make them positive even if it's in my own mind um so i mean if there's terrible news my first reaction is to always be like well there's a lot of positive here uh that doesn't always go really well with with my wife mary jane she's very annoyed by that but i think uh just that hard trigger even if i'm not feeling it if you say it out loud and you convince yourself you can pretty much be optimistic about anything yeah yeah you and i have that in common um and i think it's because of our our paths growing up right 
once you've been through, you know, what some people might consider hardship, it creates resiliency. And so when hardship comes along, it's like, all right, let's dig in and figure this out. So yeah, we have that in common. Um, so you, you've had a pretty rich life. I think you would agree. Pretty dynamic, pretty exciting, interesting at the very least. If you were write, to write a autobiography, what would the title be? Crazy SOB. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So yeah, um, Kyle, I, I, I just wanted to say thanks again. You know, um, when Smiley mentioned you were coming on, he was telling me all about you. I was pretty excited. Like I mentioned at the top, I felt like I already knew you um, after spending this time with you. Um, if you do decide to write a book, I definitely would purchase it because I know it would be a bestseller. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for being on the podcast. And Kyle, man, thank you. I, I, there's some people you know and some people that are friends and you just say, Kyle, I want to be doing my podcast. He's like, what do I do? I, I, yeah, I'll do it. And your, your guest, your energy, when, when he and I worked together, man, we were just like a beacon of light and joy, just happy. Look at that smile. I can imagine. And, I can imagine and, it too, you and, walking and, into, a, to a building like, why are these guys so happy? Man, we're the overwhelming. The A-team. I mean, I could do something so outlandish and I knew that he and I would just jive in that moment and he would know exactly what I was talking about and then bring it back. It was great. It was awesome. Boom, boom. And I I just appreciate your enthusiasm and thank you for being on the podcast. Absolutely. 